This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55 a.m., Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. Welcome to the Beyond Zero Emissions Community Radio Program. This is 3CR. Today we will be broadcasting the fourth and final episode of After the Smoke Clears, where for the past year we have travelled to the Latrobe Valley. We have looked at politics, we have looked at history, we have looked at a just transition. We have spoken to locals, to journalists, to politicians, to workers and union bosses. And now we'll be looking at what the future has in store for the valley. This reminds me of why I first went there, because it's a place that has experienced terrible hardship and uncertainty, but it has so much untapped potential. So many skilled people trained to build things. It just needs someone with vision and daring to start something new. Today, we will be talking to people just like this. Tony Fairweather, CEO from SEA, who just before the election in November announced they were going to build a factory that makes drivetrains for electric vehicles in the Latrobe Valley. This will employ 300 people and enable ex-coal workers to utilise their skills in manufacturing electric cars. This is huge news for the Valley. I also visited their facility in Dandenong that is already employing half a dozen people and hiring more. I got got to ride in an electric van and meet some Latrobers who are now working for SEA. We also spoke to Carol Rowley from the Borbor Sustainability Fund that educates people on ways that, that they can save electricity in their homes. It's a packed show. I'd just like to, before we go any further, say hi to Andy, who's back in the studio, which is always great to talk to and have here. How are you going, Kurt? Very well. I'm looking forward to this show. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, it'll be a good one, I think. Um, it's always great to have Andy here. Um, and uh, so... We will, uh, so, yeah, yeah, um, now let's let's talk to Dan, but first, I just want to talk about how I visited uh, his, uh, the factory of SEA on the outskirts of Morwell and spoke to Dan uh, about a very interesting corporate cooperative structure which involves the workers participating in their own company. Uh, if you're at home, you should log on to www.afterthesmokeclears.com.au and you can see some photos of the people that we were talking to and have a look at some videos and really get a sense of uh, where we went for this, for the, for this program. Um, so we'll put on Dan now. This is Dan Musil from the Earthworker Co-op. I'm joined by Dan Musil, Secretary of the Earthworker Cooperative, their mission bring together people on common ground for direct action to solve the social and environmental problems faced by local communities and the planet. Earthworker directly confronts the dilemma posed by a transition that you can either have jobs or the environment. Hi, Dan. Hi. Hey. I'd love to get to the nuts and bolts of what you guys are doing here in this factory. Sure. So, you know, how many workers does it employ? What, what, what are you producing? Yep. So this factory we're at now, the Earthwork Energy Manufacturing Cooperative, which is the first big um, worker cooperative in the Earthworker network, is now employing six people here in Latrobe Valley. We hope to grow that as quickly as possible, making really high-quality solar hot water technology. So we're starting with manufacturing from scratch um, stainless steel hot water storage tanks, so half of any good solar hot water system. They're, a, they're a, the kind of Rolls-Royce of the solar hot water tank 
really well insulated 15 year warranty marine grade 316 stainless steel um, and we're manufacturing those to be used with a range of different household solar hot water systems whether it's a heat pump hot water service or more classic rooftop evacuated tube solar hot water system solar hot water is a really important technology to deal with climate but also help um, households with their power bill stress hot water systems can often account for up to a third of um, total energy use so we think solar hot water is a great technology to help households reduce their energy use carbon emissions power bills and support local manufacturing here in the yeah. valley so we're starting with six people we're hoping to grow that number to 50 as quickly as we can in the manufacturing installation of solar hot water systems and we're also doing some product development around some household battery storage technology yeah, too great and are you are you taking orders we are people can can um, make some inquiries through our website at the moment we're still putting our website together but People can, can um, make inquiries and start putting orders on yeah. locally made yeah. hot water yeah. technology now. Great. And, and how, how's the earthworker operation seen within the context of the valley? If you talk about jobs in the valley, people are pretty excited and interested. The valley's struggled with really high unemployment and entrenched socioeconomic disadvantage for a long time. So if you talk about jobs, people are excited. Um, also... Because of the history of the valley, this experience of privatisation, of people feeling powerless and decisions outside the valley being made that affect them, and of the hundreds of different sort of pie-in-the-sky coal and other economic projects that have been proposed down here that have never eventuated, people also have a healthy cynicism when you talk about a project. Um, And I think that extends to any project. But people have been really supportive of our vision and... We've had enormous support over the many years that we've been working to set this factory up. We wouldn't have achieved this without the mm. support we've got. And now that we're, we're running, people are, are over the moon that, that, that we're demonstrating um, what we've been talking about. Yeah. We're showing this kind of thing can happen um, and that we can build different ways of meeting our needs. So how did the idea for Earthworker begin? So Earthworker started about 20 years ago as an effort to break through this sort of pervasive jobs versus environment dilemma. The myth that we have to choose between jobs versus the environment um, or economy versus environment. So Earthworker started um, by people active within the environment and labour movements, people working for environmental justice and economic justice, getting together to try and come up with really practical and build practical ways to break through that jobs versus environment debate. And that was at a time, and sadly it's too often still the case, when these interests, economic rights, worker rights, the economy, were often seen as counter to or separate from environmental sustainability, environmental justice. And that ethos of bringing people together across these divides Mm -hmm. and building really practical examples of better ways of doing things has remained key to the project ever since. And Earthworker now is is a member-owned, democratically-run cooperative that's aiming to set up a whole network of worker and community-run and owned social enterprises, cooperatives, that create dignified employment doing socially environmentally useful work. So really, Earthworker is about building examples of what more sustainable, democratic and fair economies and communities look like. Right. So how important was it that Earthworker came from within the Latrobe Valley community? Earthworker had a, has had, a, has had a, an awareness and a, and a focus on 
the importance of Latrobe Valley community for right. ever since its beginnings. But Earthworker really started in Melbourne as an effort to bring these, what were seen as competing interests of worker rights, economic justice, the union movement, and environmental justice, sustainability, yeah. um, the environment movement together. Yeah. And one place where these conflicts for a long time have, have sort of come to ground is in the Latrobe Valley, yeah. where the question of climate um, demands that we change the way we produce power in the Latrobe Valley. But the question of justice um, and really of, of achieving that kind of transition demands that we ask, well, how do we do this change in a way that's fair? How do we, what happens to all the people and the communities like Latrobe Valley who currently depend on um, fossil fuel employment? Yeah. So, and what kind of opportunities did putting a large factory here have uh, specifically situating it in the, in the Latrobe Valley? Yeah, sure. the Earthworker Cooperative, our goal is to create more democratic and sustainable economies. We're doing that by setting up a whole network of worker and community-run social enterprises, cooperatives, doing socially and environmentally useful work. And the first big one, the kind of flagship project, is this factory here in Morwell, the Earthworker Energy Manufacturing Cooperative, which is a worker-run factory to manufacture really high-quality solar hot water systems. We think in the Latrobe Valley... A, putting economic power back in the hands of, of working people is really, really important. Mm-hmm. But B, um, there are real opportunities for manufacturing energy-related um, and socially and environmentally necessary goods like renewable energy technologies here in the Valley because there's a really long-standing and great um, wealth of skills here that are really useful in a manufacturing context. The, the Valley has... Um, enormous amounts of experience in, in boilermaking, metal fabrication, engineering, skills that are really associated with the power industry and making and operating heavy industry here. So we think being able to redeploy those skills into new energy technologies like initially solar hot water systems, but also we hope down the track, larger scale solar, wind, yeah. hydro technologies. Um, we think that makes sense. And we think it's also important to ensure that in the context of the, the kind of slow death of manufacturing as has been talked about in Australia, we think it's really important that these skills, really valuable, really important skills to make things that we need, mm. aren't lost, that we keep these skills alive and that we grow them because we think um, manufacturing is not only important for a kind of stable um, economy, but it's important if we're going to deal with the climate crisis in a way that is just and fair for places like Latrobe Valley, making the, the renewable energy goods that we need quickly is one really important part of that puzzle. I think what else is really interesting that what you were talking about is having a, it, it's, it's important to have a co- cooperative structure and that a democratic structure within the organisation of Earthworker. Why, why is that important? Yeah, that's a great question. I think democracy, a deeper economic democracy than the sort of parliamentary democracy that we often speak about, is central to Earthworker um, and to our vision of what the world needs to be like. Um, a, I think democracy is important in itself, um, but B, experiences through the uh, history of Earthworker and those people who founded it suggest that, um, you know, when, when given the chance um, to decide how our lives should run, people generally make decisions in the interests of each other and ourselves. Um, when we have 
private capital making decisions in its own interests. For instance, Hazelwood Power Station closing itself down um, with only five months' notice to the community and the workers, um, then decisions aren't always made in the interest of, of, mm-hmm. of us all. When we have huge private capital um, in the States, like the Koch brothers, but also, of course, we have heaps of our own examples here in Australia, um, seeking to make huge profits off the ongoing exploitation of our coal resources, of burning fossil fuels, for instance, um, and we don't have a say in that, then uh, the economy isn't run in the interest of, of us all or in, or in future generations. So we think having a democratic economics where we all have a say in how our economic lives run and, and how our world operates, not just the ballot box once every three years, but um, every day, we think that's essential for a, for a fairer world, but also for a more sustainable one as well. The Valley's learnt the perils of privatising mm-hmm. um, important public services and, and, and functions. Since the power industry in Victoria was privatised, we've, we've not only saw, we not only saw the, the loss of thousands of jobs in the Latrobe Valley and ongoing um, social disadvantage here, entrenched economic disadvantage here, but we've seen... Um, power prices rise, we've seen energy infrastructure degrade um, and we've seen no coherent plan to transition our energy sector to a more um, healthy and, and sustainable yeah. one. So we've lost the power to, to make decisions about our mm. lives and our societies. Um, so the Valley is a really powerful example of what an undemocratic economy yeah. um, leads to, I suppose. Yeah. How different is the relationship between the workers at Earthworker than the uh, workers at, say, Loyang or something. That how important is that co-op and that buy-in that you get? Yeah, for workers. That's a great question. Um, there, there's heaps of different arguments as to why workplace democracy is important. Mm. Um, one is that it's important in its own right. Right, people should have a say in how their workplaces are run. Yeah. We, we live in a democracy, yet suddenly when we walk in our workplace door, those of us who are lucky enough to have employment, that democracy ends. You know, mm-hmm. We're told what to do. So there, there's an argument there. Another one is that um, when workers have a say in their own workplaces and how their work is done, um, those workplaces are safer. Yeah. And, and they're generally cleaner. People, workers don't want to work in a really unhealthy or unsafe or polluting industry if they have a choice. Um, so there's arguments around safety and also um, health sustainability as well in, um, in in more democratically run workplaces, right? Yeah. And there's another argument too around productivity, right? Generally, the people doing the work have pretty good understanding of how to do it and how to do it well. Yeah. So harnessing that understanding and that power and letting people make decisions together collectively about how to do things better or differently can lead to much better performance of the workplace rather than, you know, distant middle management or bean counter in another state or country mm. make, telling people to do things. Right. People who, who do the work themselves are best placed generally to so, do that work better. So it's kind of about connect, connectedness between the worker and their, their product, but also they're invested in... Yeah. their product and their companies invested in them. Connectedness is a central theme and 
philosophy within Earthworker. Yeah. And the way you just put it then of connectedness between workers in a cooperative to their products to their, or their services, but also connectedness of that business to its community and to the impacts it has on its community because the workers living there are making decisions about it. And I guess a final point is that to go, to go back a bit, to, to look at some of the, the seeds of Earthworker's um, existence, Earthworker learned a lot from the green bands, which um, is a really exciting and proud part of Australian history that not many people know about. And it's actually the origin of the, the term green. The Greens Party took its name from these um, inspiring events which happened in Melbourne and Sydney mainly in the yeah. 1970s. And it's, they're a great example of where workers and environmentalists came together to act um, in common interest. Green bands were a series of, of um, work bands instigated by a really progressive militant union, the Builders Laborers Federation, who decided upon hearing requests from environmental activists, from urban justice activists, they decided to stop work on what they deemed to be socially or environmentally destructive work sites. And that was really an example of workers choosing the nature of their work and what their work did in the world. Yeah. Right? And they made those decisions based on their own health and safety, the well-being of the communities in which that work was happening. That is a, has been a really founding experience for Earthworker. We believe that people should have a say in the nature of their work mm-hmm. and the nature of their work, what it does in the world for their own good, but for all of our good as well. That's what economic democracy yeah. looks like and we yeah. should have a say. And... Uh, in fact, a sustainable and, and fair economy yeah. relies on that kind of participation. Yeah, great. And what, what are you guys going to do next? What's next? We know in the valley 20 years ago, some world-class wind generators were manufactured here. Ten large wind generators were made here by workers in the valley. And we think there's enormous opportunity to try and do that again here, large-scale wind manufacturing. Um, and with the announcement of the new offshore wind farm in Gippsland there's going to be a need to do that kind of work soon so Earthworker is very interested in that I mentioned that Earthworker is looking to set up industrial hemp manufacturing and processing through a cooperative enterprise here in the valley as well we've been um, housing uh, one of the only hemp decorticator machines in the country here for a little while and now it's across the road and we're working with um, a local hemp expert to try and get hemp manufacturing off the ground here yeah um, and we hope that the Cooperative Renewable Energy Retailer Project that Earthworker and a range of other trade unions and community organisations is a part of, called Cooperative Power Australia, um, gets off the ground in Victoria in the next few months and is providing people a way to take the power back, yeah. take ownership in, in the energy retail, electricity retail services and um, support greater investment in renewable energy and community and renewable energy. So there's lots of pots on the boil mm-hmm. um, and you can see the vision is quite broad, but we're, yeah, we're starting with six workers here at the moment and hoping to grow that as quickly as possible and are, are inviting people who support the vision to, to get behind us by yeah. thinking about getting their own hot water service, talking within their union or their um, community organisation about a bulk purchase arrangement and help us put pressure on government at all levels too to support local procurement of our products into um, places where they could be most beneficial like public housing yeah great best of luck dan i'm gonna get my uh get my mom to look into an order for her place
Gonna make this house a home. You know what? I think I might bake some scones. Clean the poo caked on the throne. We're gonna make this house a home. Buying herbs will create a garden. Sweep under the fridge. Our resolve will harden. I'll steal toilet paper from the pub next door. There's some deb left. Do you guys want some more? Vacuum up to your door. Keep going half a meter. It don't take much, but it makes this house sweeter. Put the CDs in the case when you're done. We're gonna make this house a home. Cause we can't make it on our own. Stifle that pissed off moan. We're gonna make this house a home. Hey, Ben! Where you going? Well, I'm taking out the trash. It's Sunday night, you know. And that trash has got to go. Right on, man. Well, I'll cook a great A meal. Hey, Richie, how's that make you feel? Real appreciative, Kurt. Hey, after dessert, I'll do the washing up to the very last cup. Yo, Brandon Watts, at work. Oh! And instead of getting shirty, I'm going to grab that vacuum cleaner and make this house real purdy. Uh, I'm here with Aristos Caravias, and he's the Chief Operating Officer for SEA Electric, which is in Dandenong, and is looking to expand into the Latrobe Valley. Hey, how's it going, Aristos? Good, thank you. Aristos, can you describe the electric vehicles that SEA produces? The people that are currently coming to us to have their conversions, they would just go to a dealer, the Isuzu or Hino or wherever, and say, I want this particular truck um, in the electric version. And they would um, basically work uh, as a licensee. They'll, they'll work off our documents and um, suppliers to produce essentially what we do here for, for the end car. So the government's backed uh, Sea Electric to uh, produce or manufacture a van in, um, in the Trail Valley. Yeah. Um, so it's you. actually, you know, so 300 jobs. Do you employ any staff from the Gippsland area at the moment? We currently have... Uh, five or six 
um, uh, staff from the Gippsland area. Right. So, you know, we've started recruiting. Already. Yeah, yeah, great. And not just, um, you know, future production staff, but even skilled um, trades, you know, boiler makers, fitters. Yeah. You know, we've got a cabinet maker that's doing a good job. Um, yeah, we've got an engineer starting with us, you know, in a few weeks. So the process of employment has already started. Um, and, it, you know, it looks something like uh, 30 sort of middle of this year, uh, 60 by the middle of next, then, you know, 150 by the end of uh, 2020, I think it is. Um and obviously, the assembly plant is set to be operational by um, twenty twenty one. So you know, and and for us now, one of the things is we, we you know obviously looking at uh, other ways we, which we can better utilise that that site. So instead of just doing vans, we potentially you know they can look uh, at teaming up with an OEM like Osuzi, for example, and building trucks there as well. So yeah. that'll then create additional jobs yeah, on, okay. on top of that. Yeah. So it's important to have a site that's you know. Uh, uh, able to be expanded, <laughs> not yeah. just to do that. So, so Dandenong is kind of like the first stage. Pretty much, yeah. This yeah. is, but but we can build here, and we and we do. So you know, we we build vans here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're limited to how many we can build because of the size and the and the, and the layout. We haven't got a moving convey system, yeah. which is what we're going to have in in more. Um, but um, yeah. Um, Look, in terms of the sea drive system, um, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into, uh, you know, implementing it into a, into a, into a truck. But in terms of the, the main components, you've got your, uh, and this is for a truck. Um, in trucks, you've got your front battery pod that sits under the cab. You've got a rear battery pod just behind that. And then um, you've got a, a component box, or a couple of component boxes. Uh, and, you know, they sort of, uh, you know, they're... They're put on different parts of trucks uh, because of vehicle dynamics and integration. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a component box which has a charger, inverter, distribution box, has a fuse box in there, AC system. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that carries all that. There's another one which normally sits on the other side, which is a cooling box, which I'll show you in, in the plant. Um, and it's a radiator with a couple of cooling fans and a, and a cooling pump. Uh, sorry, a coolant pump. Um, other than that, you've got a motor, a motor controller. And that's about it. Awesome. So there's not, you know, a heap to it, uh, which is, you know, one of the benefits of the sea drive system. Well, that's about it. Uh, do you want to head out? Yeah, let's go. So this is the product oh. that initially we built at the time. Yep. So basically, the majority of the components go underneath. Yep. Make sure I don't take anything out on the way back. Yeah. Someone else is driving that too. So you'll hear a few noises. They're things that you, you know you normally hear. Like that's a power steering pump. Right. You don't normally hear it. Oh, here's a Gippsland man. Gary. Good. I've got Kurt in the in the van. Hey. Um, hey, Gary. How's it going? Three CR. So, what what's your background? Um, before I come here. Yeah. I was used to be working at a sawmill for 26 years. For Australian paper, Nippon yeah, paper. Uh, for, yeah, for Carl Harvey sawmill down Tramway Road. Yeah. And um, I was an operator there um, on the shop floor and it. Um, yeah, foreman out there for a fair few years as well. Um, operated lot loaders and um, done maintenance on the vehicles. And, and are you from Are you from Maui? Yeah, I'm from Maui. Yeah, yeah, yeah great, great. And you've been here for how long now? Um, st- started the month before Christmas, so I was about the nineteenth. You'll go work in uh, Mormo when that place starts up? Yeah, I'll, yeah, one of these guys playing for me. 
whatever you do, so... Good to meet you, Gary. Right. On the way, on the way back. So this this will be built in uh, Trap Valley. The government wants, you know, yeah. they want to bring back life to the valley, and yeah, you yeah. Know, obviously with all the closures and that, this is a good opportunity for them. It's, uh, I guess, quite close to their head office. Yeah. You know, in terms of proximity, it's at 120 k's. It's not. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's obviously the opportunity there to uh, utilize the skilled labour that's already there. You know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. It all ticks all the boxes. It's, it's a very smooth ride, isn't it? Yeah, you can't hear much. No. Nah. Yeah. Electric power. But now, like with commercial vehicles, I suppose we'll see more and more um, charging stations everywhere. And yeah, so the C product uh, has an onboard charger, so that means oh. you don't need to have it. You don't need to go to a charger to charge your battery. Right. Plug anywhere. Anywhere there's a three-phase supply, essentially a right. two-amp supply. Does that mean you just plug it into the wall? Yeah. You don't need to take a charger with you. Yeah. It's actually on board and it, everywhere you go, it goes along with it. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. And that's another key difference um, about C's technology and, you know, what else is around the world. Like Tesla, for example, you need to go home to charge. Yeah. You can't charge anywhere. So we've got a team in New Zealand, we've got a team in, um, in the US, uh, and, you know, recently we've uh, opened up an office in Europe as well. So for potential opportunities there. So it's, yeah, it's a... It's a growing business, so it's a um, great opportunity, you know, for the Trove Valley as well to have us there, you know. Yeah. I hope this uh, microphone's picking up that that electric sound. <laughs> it's like being in the future. Yeah. yeah. Might help. <laughs> yeah, so as I break now, we're actually producing energy. So there's kind of like a... A generator that pushes. No, so what it does, the uh, converts kinetic. Back. Yeah, so with the motor, basically, um, uh, when you when you take your foot off the accelerator, uh, there's probably two stages of region. First stage is as I take my foot off the accelerator, there's a you know, low level of region uh, happening there, using obviously the uh, momentum of the truck of the man. Do you want me to put the truck up on the driveway or? Nah, it'd be cool if like I get the back, you you hanging out the window. Okay. It's a bit of an experience, isn't it? Yeah. Alright, I don't think I've ever seen such a clean factory in my life. <laughs> it's like Intel, I think. Everything's got its place. Well, uh, needs to be returned to its place at the end of each day. So how much... How, how much... Uh, is Woolworths going to put in a big order, do you think? Yeah, or? Woolworths already has a, a, a GHEV. It's a Hino product. It's the biggest product that we produce. Uh, it's a refrigerated, I think it's a 12 pallet um, truck. Right. And they've just put an order in for the second one, so um, Woolworths is very keen. Yeah, there's different markets, uh, you know, different segments of the market that they're keening. You know, there's, there's the smaller trucks that they want for their, you know, deliveries, online deliveries. There's yeah. the bigger trucks for transferring, you know, from depot to store. Um, yeah, so it looks like we're in a good spot. Well, that's it. Thank you. So, I was, um, how, how long have you guys been here? Do, uh, I've been uh, here since November last yeah. year. Yeah, right. I started the 1st of December. Right. Yeah. And um, where, where, where are you guys from? Taralgon. Taralgon. Both of you from Taralgon. It's yeah. a lovely town. Yeah, yeah. My son actually works here too. He's actually off today. Okay. Yeah, so right we on. come up together. Ah, so yeah. you guys are going to be here for uh, maybe about the six or eight months and then you'll go. We out. Know. Yeah. 
It's looking like it might be two years. Yeah. Just depends. But yeah. hopefully it picks yeah. up and they get the, the building down there done and yeah. we can get back down there. <laughs> right. Because we're yeah. really struggling with the drive. It can take us anywhere from an hour and 40 to three hours. Yeah, right, because you're going with the yeah. traffic, right? Uh -huh. so, you know, I've travelled a fair bit for work, so if you have your good and bad days, I like Depends on the traffic. Yeah. So yeah. what, what are your backgrounds, Temple? I'm a boilermaker by trade. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you ever so work in, uh, in, in, the, in the power industry? Hazelwood, yeah. Hazelwood, right. Yeah, I did my first 12 months at the Yalorn Power Station. Yep. Then they put me into the workshops at Morwell. Yeah. And then I went out to Hazelwood for 12 months, and then I finished down in the cut in um, Morwell, the Morwell Open Cut. Yeah. Did you do uh, your apprenticeship at, at Hay? Yeah, with the SEC back in the day. Yeah. Wow. I privatised in 91, just as I was finishing my apprenticeship. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. I didn't see it privatised. Wow. It was government then. Oh, it's yeah. a great opportunity to be yeah. able to come here. And yeah. Oh, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. 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 How about you, Matt? What's your background? I'm a joiner by trade. Right. So cabinetry, carpentry, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I did my apprenticeship in Maui. I was probably there for about four, four, three to five years. And then after that, I went into shop fitting for a, probably a year and a half. And then I did more like aluminium fabrication. So we're doing um, electronic windows. That was probably about eight months. And now I'm here doing vehicles. Yeah, so great. a bit of everything, it's oh, good, yeah. He's yeah. from down our way as well. Yeah, yeah, we saw him on the yeah. on the way out. Oh, like yeah, uh, when I just went to test drive in the car. It's so smooth in it there. It is, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, really good. Yeah. And it's just a lot and of kick to it as yeah. well. And you won't get all the heat off the motor and it's gonna be amazing. Well thank you. Thank you guys for that. You're listening to 3CR Radio. We are joined by Tony Fairweather, who is the CEO of SEA Electric, which we, where we just were, and we just heard about my visit um, to R and the R and D factory in Dandenong. I took a ride in one of the vans; it was very exhilarating, and like I said, I was very excited to hear before the election last year that SEA was going to build a large electric drivetrain production line in the valley. This is hopefully going to create three hundred jobs, which is huge. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kat. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. No, no, it's really it's really great and really important, and it's um it's something that the valley really needs. Um, so can can you start by giving us a very brief history of SEA? What what inspired you to start it? Uh, our, our business uh, interest has been in the commercial vehicle space for, for many years now. Um, last uh, 15, 15 plus, uh, plus years. Uh, pr primarily in the uh, the diesel, the import uh, and dis distribution of diesel commercial vehicles, mm -hmm. uh, but we uh, we saw pretty early on that um, uh, the EV space was was going to be um, fantastic and very well suited to uh, particularly metropolitan delivery uh, type vehicles, and uh, and hence started uh, developing our our own technology in around 2012. Um, which we bought to market uh, very early in 2017 when the the cost of components dropped through a particular threshold that we had, which was a battery um, uh, US dollar per kilowatt hour threshold, which was uh, 300 US per kilowatt hour. So once uh, once the cost uh, got below that uh, that uh, level, we uh, we came to market, started commercialising. I think yeah, great, great. I, I think it's really great what you're doing. Um, so why did you pick? The Latrobe Valley for the site of your of the new factory. 
range of reasons. Uh, one, our, our proximity in uh, in Dandenong is, is pretty handy to that. We're we're always keen to have a, a regional presence in um, uh, in Victoria, um, and that was a, a particular um, uh, area or region of Victoria that um, that had some some skilled labour that were fairly well suited to what we needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as I said, in, in reasonable proximity, you know, it's only 120 odd kilometres from where we are, so we can maintain our our technical support. Uh, resources in uh, in Dandenong and be able to support both our Dandenong and Latrobe Valley facilities from the one uh, one location. We heard there from um, Gar- Gary, Matt, and Temple who are who who have st- already started working in Dandenong. Uh, what what is the crossover between a worker who is working in the coal industry and what they can bring to SEA Electric? Interesting, interesting question. And the answer is uh, is lots of things. So um, you know, our, our technology is uh, what we refer to as C-Drive. We're effectively a, uh, a power system supplier. So we, we have the uh, electric drive drive line or, or power system that can replace a, um, the um, uh, diesel engine and, and transmission in your, in your standard um, cab chassis or, or van type, uh, type product. <clears throat> now, the um, installation of that is essentially just that. It's, a, it's an install or assembly assembly type process into a, uh, an already um, a built new glider glider product. So the skills that we require are, are quite broad and, and uh, match quite well with the sort of skills that are coming out of the likes of Hazelwood, etc. Mm-hmm. It might be you know, low-voltage um, electrical skills. It might be high-voltage electrical skills. It might be uh, general labour um, uh, and assembly and, and fitter-type skills, uh, temple skills as a, uh, as a boilermaker also mm-hmm. have a... Um, uh, have a particular um, uh, particular need and uh, and uh, add significant value to our business. So, so there's a there's a whole range of skills that we can we can adapt quite well to our business. And what has the community uh, the response been from the community in the valley so far? Oh, it's been it's been, been fantastic. So, um, you know, our um, uh, you know, our, our our needs now are to uh, to start to fast track our. Um, uh, the, the the building of um, our, our stage one assembly facility down there, uh, but the support uh, on the ground in uh, in the Latrobe Valley and, and from from state government uh, on a on a full state state level has been uh, nothing short of uh, of fantastic. Awesome, awesome. So what is what does the timeline look like for building the factory in 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 Morwell or in the Latrobe? What's the site? Uh, to, to, to be honest, I won't disclose that just now, but okay. it's looking looking like uh, uh, more. We should have an announcement on that in the next couple of weeks in terms of the the physical site, and uh, that's the starting point for being able to start our uh, our our build. So we know exactly the the facility yeah. uh, that we'll be building. We're all planned and ready for that. Um, the uh, the land is just being uh, uh, finalised and secured, and as I said, there'll be, be an announcement on that in the next few weeks. Uh, but it'll be around the Morwell area. And the and what was the timeline? Uh, ideally, around or hopefully around twelve months from now, we should be uh, we should be getting close to starting assembly. Great, great. Uh, will you be using any of the expertise from some of the uh, closed factories, for example, Toyota in Altona or Holden in Elizabeth? Will uh, are you looking at getting any workers from there as well? Well, to, to be honest, we're open to um, to, to any skills and, and workers that we can employ as, as we need them. So as long as they suit our needs, 
museum people are willing and able to come to either Dandenong or, or the Trade Valley, mm-hmm. then, then absolutely, you know, we've got a we have a lot of jobs that we need to um, we need to fill over the uh, uh, over the next six to six to twelve months, uh, and then um, you know, ongoing down in the Trade Valley. So there's plenty of opportunities there for all. So will those will those jobs be uh, full time or majority contract? What is the, what is the terms of those those jobs? Uh, all of our all of our positions currently are full time. Um, we we intend to uh, continue to employ full time. Great. Um, so I noticed there, and you you may have heard, and when I went to your uh, went to Dandenong, uh, I noticed that there was a big Woolworths truck being refitted to be electric. Ha, ha, have there been many clients? What's the sort of the response from from commerce? Yeah, no, the response is, is fantastic. And it's been driven by the fact that the economics is there. So um, <clears throat> the key with with an electric vehicle or a commercial vehicle is getting three elements of the needs right. Cost is, is by far the most important element when you're talking commercial vehicles and someone uh, or a business needing to get a return on the, their investment. Uh, but there's also the ability to match the duty cycle. Uh, and I heard some of the interview with our, our Chief Operating Officer, uh, Aristos, just before. He was mm-hmm. referring to the the onboard charger and uh, and the fact that we can charge back to base. So a lot of that is about getting the um, uh, the economics right, but also matching the duty cycle of delivery and distribution vehicles. Uh, and then the other key element about weight. So we, we focused on a particular technology that... That absolutely, absolutely, without doubt, has this um, uh, world leading in terms of cost and uh, uh, cost and weight, <clears throat> and matches the duty cycle of the particular products that uh, and product range, so the GVM range that we're we're working within, which is from the delivery van or commuter bus uh, right up to um, effectively uh, rubbish trucks. And what's what's exciting about that is the economics make sense now. That mm-hmm. is the return on investment on buying an electric truck right now, yep. with a payback in Australia of uh, of under four years and a, a payback in New Zealand of, of even less than that due to the um, the extra incentives that uh, are provided by um, uh, by the government over there. Yep. Uh, but the cost of batteries are, are heading south at a um, at a, a fantastic rate. And the density mm-hmm. of batteries are increasing. So. Yep. Uh, simply getting um, further range for less cost and less weight. So yeah. it's a really exciting space and uh, we'll be transitioning very, very quickly. Yeah, I noticed that when uh, Aristos showed me one of the vans that you have built in the ability just to switch out the battery. So that's clearly taking account for the fact that their their, their density in the range is going to improve where you're not going to have to change the whole uh, the whole drivetrain. Yeah, we've built the entire system on, on a flexible architecture, which which means it's essentially a live system. So, you know, we acknowledge that things will improve and change over time, not just batteries, but, you know, the hardware around the um, uh, the, the charger, the onboard charger and power steering systems and uh, uh, the air conditioning and heating systems. So we've built the, the system to allow flexibility to be able to upgrade it and effectively continuously improve it over the life of its, uh, uh, its, its journey and its um, deployment. Great. Um, so I just have one final question. Do you look to expanding um, into to exports? Or are you primarily primarily just servicing the domestic market? In terms of our assembly, our key focus for, for assembly and producing our own product or products for others is, is Victorian-oriented for the Australian and New Zealand market. Mm-hmm. Um, overseas, we have a uh, an expansion plan, and we, we now have an operation in the in the US, uh, we've we've also got a, an office in Indiana for the European market, and only last week opened an office in Southeast Asia in Bangkok. 
those markets and those expansion plans are about licensing our technology. Um, so we will uh, we will build pilots, which uh, I think Aristos mentioned during his mm-hmm. interview that we are doing in the US at the moment for uh, for two substantial uh, OEMs over there. Yeah. So we'll build the pilots, we'll test and validate those with big customers, and uh, uh, and then transition to uh, to licensing our technology uh, either directly to the OEMs or or third party assemblers. So yes, we do have export plans. Uh, but it's primarily about exporting the technology and licensing the technology rather than establishing our own assembly facilities offshore. Well, thank you uh, thank you so much for talking to us, Tony. All the best with uh, SEA, and I, I think it's going to be really great for the, the Latrobe Valley that you guys are building there. No, good on you, Kurt. Thanks for your time. Appreciate uh, it. All right. Bye. Cyclone is pretty grim. change. Do you ever feel like just switching off? Well, don't. Switch on to Beyond Zero Emissions Community Radio Show every Monday at 5pm on 3CR and beat the doom and gloom to find out the latest actions and research in your community. BZE Radio at 5pm on Monday. Turn the tide, literally. Dick, I am Carol Rowley and I am a future maker. We're in the, the beautiful garden of the back of the Bauble Sustainability Network. And despite the extraordinary heat we've been having, the the place looks lush and green. Yeah, which is a testament to the work of all the volunteers here, including Carol. So I just wanted to work out from the beginning, um, what what is the Bauble Sustainability Network? It is a group that's trying to inform the public of um, the the link between thought and action that we have guest speakers come once a month to talk about things like insulation or solar hot water systems or uh, uh, solar panels or how to reduce your um, your plastic waste and our main focuses are gardens and food and also energy particularly um, energy in the home how, how to live more comfortably and have lower electricity bills is, is how we put right. it. And it, it sounds very practical and it sounds like you've got a pretty good attendance. How, how old is it? What's a really quick history of the network? I think the first meeting was in 2008, but it might have been 2007, that a lovely man called Raj Manahar was the environmental officer in Borbor Shire at the time. And he, he came and gave encouragement. And Raj and two others of us were... Um, the Borbor Shire assisted us in doing a, um, a sustainability assessment course, one of the early ones at Holmesgen College of TAFE. OK. M- myself and, and another friend. And um, various business people and, and people from, our, from um, the Strzleckis behind us uh, were interested in... Letting people know, particularly how how to uh, run their houses more efficiently mm-hmm. and use less less electricity and, and simple low cost things like um, sealing around doors is, is a classic one of how, how to reduce the um, in, the heat and cold moving in over the um, seasons. Have since since two thousand and eight, have you seen local attitudes change to the to the aims of the sustainability network, there, there is there is a moderate amount of interest that um, a, a small group uh, ran the 
domestic energy workshops where they were talking about how to, how to read your electricity bill and um, how and things you can do in the house. We mainly reach people with our um, well with the garden. There's a lot of um, informal um, people going through the through the garden who who are visiting the cafe. And on Wednesdays, people come and talk to us when we are having our um, Wednesday get together. Yeah. Where we garden and talk and yeah, <laughs> lovely. And, and socialise. Yeah. How are you personally involved in the network? Um, well, over the years I've been the treasurer. My, my husband organised for David Caroli um, to come and talk to the group uh, some time back and he also organised for a very successful evening with um, Simon Holmes Court in, I think, November last year. And that, that real... that absolutely fabulous speaker and we got quite a few unfamiliar faces come to that also advising people on uh, fixing up their houses so they're much more airtight and uh, keeping you warm in winter and cool in summer without spending an arm and a leg on heating and cooling. The people that come that attend these um, speaker programs are they from they'd be predominantly local do you get many people that that were working with coal? Uh, Only a few sadly Right. but um, with the link to the Gippsland Climate Change Network which is um, principally um, government agencies and some, some private people we put out a, a newsletter uh, monthly, and uh, and pe- people hooked on to the, the solar panels. And uh, uh, we had a, a really good talk on glazing earlier in the year. Yep. And um, the gentleman made the point that in summer you must keep the sun off glass. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't I hadn't honed it down to that. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, but that's a uh, pretty tall order. Sometimes, uh, outside shutters, outside yeah. wood. Uh, well, here, if you come around here, that uh, one of our members is a tra- is still doing some trade teaching, and he he's shown where the uh, the sun comes to in winter, uh-huh. and it comes to in summer, and you'd put a, a an awning. Yeah. Awning. Yeah drop down there of some sort this was a this, this is a recycled building here that we're in was part of the old Yarragon primary school behind and uh, but they, they had um, blinds down there to keep the sun out in summer yeah and you have overhangs like this to, to stop the sun yeah. getting onto the glass and no windows to the west no windows to the east yeah well what if, you can tell me, what else do you do if you've got windows to the east and west that you want to block out the summer sun and uh, put uh, and have the sun come in winter? Blinds. Deciduous trees. Ah, okay. <laughs> so do you guys collect rainwater as well? I've noticed there's some tanks. Yep. There's a giant uh, tank there. There, that's coming off the building there. I'm really interested in the people that are attracted to this project? We've talked to the converted a fair bit, but uh, we had a, a people talking about batteries last year that really attracted attention. 
we got uh, and the first talk that Alan Pierce came gave, mm-hmm. and uh, he he's he's absolutely amazing, and we got about 80 people, um, in and we went to what. Warrigal to have a large enough venue then and the, the questions just flowed at the end and Simon Holmes a court was probably the the most popular we've had but the the, the people uh, con- talking about the electricity around wind farms pulled in a lot of people we don't usually see and we've got some very capable people who are members but don't necessarily come to, to the gathering, they, they turn up from time to time, and I suspect if we gave them twelve months' notice, they'd come and talk mm-hmm. to us too. Yeah. Um, it seems it seems to me that the Bobo Sustainability Network is offering so much. If even if you're not interested in sustainability as a concept, you're still saving money, and you still have a sense here of a community something that was a lot harder to maintain after privatisation. It seems like they're two big draw cards for the for BBSN. Well, the provo- this, this is a community contact and th- this is open to the public ev- every day of the year so that people can come and see, see what's happening here. There are businesses who are members who, who support us with paying a business membership mm. and who, well, early in the piece, there were business sustainability uh, assessments done. It's a number of years ago now, but a lot, some of them have still got the, the signs up saying that they were had a sustainability assessment. But it, 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 it's about community, living locally. Are there many other organisations like BBSN around the valley? Well, the Latrobe Valley, Sustain, uh, valley Sustainability Group, I think it's called, they're into um, writing letters and talking to politicians. They, they, they got BZE up here very early in the piece um, to talk to them about, about climate change and what BZE was on about. And that that's, was very early in the um, BBSN's um, uh, journey, yeah. you could say. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, I don't know if you can hear all the lovely sparrows and the twittering. Um, but it's really beautiful here in the garden. Thank you very much for your time, Carol. Thanks very much, Kurt. Thank you. That was Carol Rowley from Bauble Sustainability Network, and if you're ever in that area around Yenam, um, go in and check it out. Um, they have a really beautiful garden. So we have a few announcements from uh, BZE. We have the Adelaide Electrifying Industry launch, which is on Tuesday, the 27th of February. Just look that up on the internet if, you're, um, if you want to attend that. Visit the BZE team at the Sustainable Living uh, Brimbank Festival, which is on the 23rd of Feb, which is uh, in Cororoit Creek Neighbourhood House. Michael Lord joins the discussion panel for the Australian premiere of Energy Pioneers, which is on the 27th of Feb at Cinema Nova, which is, of course, on Ligon Street. Um, And that is part of the Transitions Film Festival. Check out the program at transitionsfilmfestival.com. There's a lot of great films um, for you to look at across all different types of uh, transitions to do with climate change. Uh, we would like to thank everyone that made After the Smoke Clears possible, um, which is Vanessa, Vanessa and Imogen at uh, BZE. 
uh, my co-host and mentor, uh, Vivian Langford, and of course, Andy, who's, who's right here. Um, and also Roger and Julia, who uh, takes care of their web presence. Thanks to our guests, Dan from Earthworker, Aristos and Tony from SEA, and Carol from Borbor Sustainability Network. This is Beyond Zero Emissions Community Program. You're listening to 3CR Radio. Up next is uh, Communication Mixed Down. Beyond Zero Emissions is a not-for-profit research and education organisation. We design blueprints for a zero emissions economy. As climate change action becomes an emergency, leaders will use these well-researched plans that show a transition is possible from a 19th century fossil fuel-based economy with its climate-changing emissions to a zero emissions 21st century. Check out our website for reports on zero emissions energy, zero emissions exports and industry, zero emissions transport, zero emissions buildings and zero emissions land use. Podcasts of our shows contain a who's who of community action and climate solutions. They're all available on the web at bze.org.au. We'd love your ideas for this show, so contact us at radioteam at bze.org.au or even write to us, care of Radio 3CR, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, Victoria. You can make that attention, BZE Radio.